0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: This week on the Chicago Bears Review. With the AFC East preview done, Larry D moves forward, previewing our beloved's 2014 regular season opponents, this time featuring the teams of the NFC South. Can the Panthers repeat? Will the Saints reclaim? Do the Falcons come back? And it's Lovey the Answer in Tampa. All of this and so much more on the NFC South preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. Well, here we are once again. We got the AFC East show in the books. Now we're moving on to the NFC South, our other uh, divisional opponent this year, uh, if you will. What's going on? Larry D. back for the NFC South preview episode of the Chicago Bears review. And, um, you know, uh, we try to keep this one a little bit shorter because that one uh, over an hour and 20 minutes long uh, last week. I know that... uh, you guys were listening to me and my majestic voice you didn't mind all that much but uh a little bit longer than i like for these shows to be so uh we'll try to keep this week's episode to about an hour uh or so which is about an average show maybe a little bit longer depending on the game and the preview uh when the season uh rolls around so it uh Felt good getting back in the saddle, and uh, like I said, we're trying to stay on task so that we get the preview episodes done before training camp. If I'm not mistaken, the Bears report to camp in two weeks, two weeks from today. Today's the 10th of July. I believe they they report on the 24th, and camp kicks off on the 25th, if uh, if memory serves uh, correctly. But, um, you know, like I said, uh, Tressman's keeping the um, – training camp schedule early like he did last year there's only a maybe two or three total uh practices that are held in the afternoon and one of which is uh fan fest uh, at soldier field which obviously is not in bourbon a so doesn't technically count but uh there are only two practices that are held in the afternoon and only one of them is on the weekend so that's probably that that uh that, that training camp session that's going to be like the one that we all tried to go to last year where 22,000 people uh, showed up because it was the only afternoon weekend practice that they held throughout all of training camp. So uh, that's the one that I will most readily avoid this year if I make the trip down to, uh, to Burbank, because where I stay in the Quad Cities, it's about a three-and-a-half-hour drive to get down to bourbon a so even to get to the nine o'clock practice we probably have to leave here like around five in the morning so eh, i don't know so like i said it's uh we'll see what happens and uh maybe we'll make it down there this year maybe we won't and we'll address that when we come to it so one uh, just one thing no no not a lot of news and notes we pretty much got caught up on everything uh last week um just one little thing i want to talk about personally uh last night the NFL network finished its uh top 100 players of 2014 are going into the 2014 season. However, they uh they title it to be honest with it's um uh number 1 overall was Peyton Manning, you can't really argue uh with that uh, at all considering that he, everything he did was basically an NFL record last year, 5500 yards passing, 55 touchdowns. Uh he only had like ten interceptions all season. I don't think he threw his first one to like week eight or something like that. It was insane uh how that all happened. But uh, you know, had just it was, you know, his fifth NFL and MVP trophy last year and took the Broncos back to the Super Bowl even though they they lost. But um nonetheless. My issue began not so much with the choice of who was number two, but the fact that it was calvin johnson number two the number two overall player and these are voted on by the players and my issue with calvin johnson being at number two is that brandon marshall was number 36 okay now any discussion about who the best receivers in the nfl have been over the last couple of years um starts with calvin johnson and then usually at number two is brandon marshall okay now it can be argued, although obviously my bias would would argue the opposite. It can be argued Calvin Johnson is the best receiver in football right now, but he is not 34 players better than Cal than uh, than Brandon Marshall, and th- that's not even the worst part. The worst part being that Brandon Marshall was number 36. He was the seventh best receiver on this list there were 15 wide receivers in the top 100 Brandon Marshall was number seven that means there were six receivers ranked higher than him including Calvin Johnson which means there were there were five that were ranked better than Brandon Marshall between Calvin Johnson and Brandon Marshall there were five other receivers that were ranked higher than uh, Brandon Marshall that is ridiculous So Marshall was the highest-ranked bear in this year's top 100. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey was number two at 54, um, which I thought was low for him, but a good starting point, I guess. Uh, Jared Allen, number 68, technically, I mean, he's a bear now, but everything that they're rating him on was everything before he came to Chicago. Tim Jennings, uh, number 74, was the fifth – fifth cornerback out of seven that were on the list and of course my biggest beef aside from the brandon marshall thing was that the lowest ranked bear on the list was at number 91 and it's matt forte 91 i mean if i was matt forte coming off a year where he had 1300 yards rushing another five six hundred you know he had over 2000 all-purpose yards last year if i'm not mistaken um and he was ninth on the list of running backs this year. I didn't write how many were on the list. All I wrote was eight eight running backs were ranked higher than Forte. And I I I can't think of eight off the top of my head that are better than him. Um, you know, it, it's it's just ridiculous I mean you have LaShawn McCoy, you got Adrian Peterson in there. Uh, maybe Marshawn Lynch, maybe Frank Gore, but so that would, at worst, puts Forte at five. The other three I can't think of off the top of my head, but you know I I can't think of eight players better than Forte. I thought of four, which means that at worst Forte is the fifth best running back. And as a matter of fact, out of those four, you know Peterson, McCoy, uh, Marshawn Lynch, and Frank Gore. The only one who's like a total back that catches balls out of is McCoy. You know, so it's just um, I, if I was Matt Forte, I'd have a huge, huge chip on my shoulder uh, this year after being ranked 91st overall.
0: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.
1: For all out of the top 100 players uh, in the NFL, uh, and that's voted on by the players. So these are the, the the guys that he plays with, the people that he plays against. Ranked him as the 91st best player. Uh, in the league and the ninth ranked running back in in uh, in the in the NFL, which is uh, just ridiculous. But um, you know, going back to to Brandon Marshall being number thirty six, just uh, you know, he had more catches than Alshon didn't have as many yards. He had more touchdowns, but just the fact that that you know he's number seven, number seven. Can you think? of six wide receivers better. And then there was one other receiver in the top 10 was A.J. Green. A.J. Green's not better than Brandon Marshall. I just – he's just not. Okay. Um, And I forget who the others on the list were. To be honest, I didn't write it down. But the fact, you know, Brandon Marshall came in at 36 and Calvin Johnson was at number two. I I Honestly, I don't even think Calvin Johnson had a better year than Brandon Marshall did last year. That's more the the – you know I hate to use the word myth but the myth of Megatron you know kind of made him you know the the number 2 player on on the list so it um, it kind of boggled the mind when i when i saw you know that uh, that Brandon was not not only that Brandon was 36 but that you know Calvin Calvin Johnson was number 2 and then when i started to to go through that i went to the nfl.com website you can break it down by position that's how i'm giving you these numbers here um that's how i found out brandon marshall was seven out of 15 and you know so there are six wide receivers including calvin johnson ranked higher than him i just you know i just i can't fathom that and then i was watching nfl am on the nfl network this morning and curtis conway our old uh, our old chicago bear uh receiver um gave his top gave his top 10 receivers and who was number two on his list Brandon Marshall and he too was also and it's not a Chicago Bear bias he said he made that clear on the NFL AM he's he's saying I just I just can't picture this you know the the especially the the last two years that he's been in Chicago but if you look at his body of work he's been in the league nine years the only year that he didn't have a thousand yard uh, season was his rookie year he's had how many different quarterbacks he's playing on three different teams and he's brought the same level of production to each team that he's been on you know had it not been for his attitude he might still be in Denver who knows but uh, it was his his attitude that drove him out of Denver his attitude that drove him out of Miami the Bears were looked at as taking a big chance on Brandon Marshall when we brought him into town and he's been nothing but a model citizen for us you know as he has his uh you know his bromance with Jay Cutler reunited with his original quarterback so you know, I just I just don't see how number one Brandon Marshall is thirty six, and I don't see how there are six receivers rated higher uh, than Marshall on this list. You know, frankly, and then of course Matt Forte being the biggest travesty on this list at number ninety one. Uh, you know, he should be somewhere between Marshall and Jeffrey. Actually, Forte is a a top thirty player in my opinion. He should be somewhere in the twenties, and Marshall should be somewhere in the in the in the top ten or in the teens, at the lowest, somewhere in the teen, like somewhere ten to fifteen, is where Marshall should have been on this list. Thirty-six is a joke, and the fact that he's the seventh-ranked receiver on this list is an even bigger joke. So, there we go. Let me hop down off my soapbox now. And uh, what do you say we go ahead and get down to business here and uh, start talking about these NFC South opponents that we're going to face, uh, going in alphabetical order. We'll start first. With last year's major disappointment, the 4-12 uh, and 12 Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> Going into 2013, there were uh, f- not many teams on the, there was a very short list on, on teams that would represent the NFC uh, in the Super Bowl, and basically it was a three-man race between the Seahawks and the 49ers, and that third team was the Atlanta Falcons. And, uh, you know, it. Uh, I, I mean, I picked them to win their division. I did not pick them to go to the Super Bowl. I actually got the Super Bowl right last year. I didn't get the result right, but I picked the right game. I had the Seahawks and the Broncos in the Super Bowl uh, last year. Um, but many experts uh, thought, uh, you know, the, uh, the Fox NFL, uh, what did they call their everyday show? It doesn't matter, but the, 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 their NFL Live on Fox Sports 1, uh, their experts, uh, there were like eight of them at least, and I would say at least half of them had the Falcons going to the Super Bowl, and a couple of them even had them win the damn thing, uh, and basically the Falcons never got out of the starting gate uh, last year. They they stumbled right out of the blocks. Uh, they, uh, you know, had to start off the year against the, uh, the New Orleans Saints that were, you know, coming off of Bounty Gate this their first year basically their whole again they had Sean Payton back and you know and all that kind of stuff and uh, you know kind of ran into a buzzsaw week 1 they they rebounded with a win over the Rams week 2 and then pretty much that was that was pretty much the end of the happiness they just uh, they lost three straight after that they won a game a tough game over Tampa Bay then they lost five straight after that um, before having to win an overtime against buffalo and then they beat the the redskins one more time before the end of the season and finishing four and twelve so this was a team that was exposed for its lack of depth when they got slammed with injuries last year so they lost both roddy white and julio jones um you know roddy white was in and out of the lineup with injuries Julio Jones was lost after five games with a foot injury that required surgery. Um, you know, and poor old Tony Gonzalez played like a champ all of last year, had over 1,000 yards, led the team in receiving and, and uh, so on. But, uh, you know, coming back for that one last shot at a championship, uh, t- you know, just turned out to be like a deja vu for some of the lean years that he had when he was in Kansas City. And uh, unfortunately, had to end his illustrious career with his uh, his head down uh, in Atlanta. I mean, there was some talk, and I was really, really hoping that it would happen for him because he's you know one of those guys I really enjoyed watching play over the years uh, in the league. What was Tony Gonzalez? Was really hoping that there was some talk when the Falcons were like, I don't know, like one and six, two and six, something like that, going into the trade deadline, which was a couple of weeks later. Last year was week eight instead of week six. Um, was really hoping that somebody would pull the trigger and trade him, you know, like maybe even send him back to Kansas City, who was undefeated at the time. Uh, you know, to send it back maybe to KC. And, and, and I just also kind of saw it be perfect symmetry for him to end his career there, have a chance to go to the playoffs, uh, uh, and whatnot, because the Falcons were going nowhere. Nothing ever happened with the trade, and Gonzalez finished his year out, uh, in atlanta so you know this was the team that in 2012 was uh you know about 10 seconds away from the super bowl uh the 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 nfc championship game was in the georgia dome but kaepernick and the 49ers came came from behind to win that game uh scoring a last second touchdown to to put them up uh to, to send them to the super bowl that they lost to the ravens but uh you know that's how close the Falcons were. And everybody thought that it was um, pretty much written in stone that at the very least the Falcons were going back to the NFC championship game and uh, would most likely have to tangle with the Seahawks to do it and so on. But that, that did not happen at all. There was a uh, surprise winner of this division that we talk about here in a minute or two. But, um, you know, the Falcons, um, and I just, it, it's, it, it, it might get better in atlanta this year i just don't know how much you know they um they get some of their horses back in 2014 they have a solid head coach but um you know the falcons don't appear to have enough to keep up with the rest of the division you know the saints are are back again um you know carolina i wonder about the carolina panthers this year because cam newton has been out the entire off season with foot surgery or ankle surgery whichever it was they lost like their top four wide receivers and things like what like, well, we'll get back in the falcons later on or the me, the panthers a little bit later on but you know lovey's come back and he's in tampa and and you know and whatnot and you know it's just is i don't know i i, I wonder about the falcons and and where i see them um you know, like I said, Julio Jones missed 11 games with foot injury. Roddy White was hampered with a high ankle sprain most of the year. Um, Harry Douglas ended up being a 1,000 yard receiver, just to kind of show you what kind of year that it was having. Uh, they also added somebody that we know very well. Uh, Devin Hester um, is, uh, you know, most likely just, you know, going, brought in, being brought in to be a kick returner, but may also see some time on offense. We'll have to uh, see how that uh, works out for them. Uh, you know, adds depth to the to the wide receiver core. Uh, Mike Tice was brought in to overhaul the offensive line. Uh, they drafted Jake Matthews, number six overall, to start at right tackle for him. Uh, Sam Baker is back from injury. He's going to be at left tackle. Uh, John Asamoah, I think they signed him from Tampa Bay. Um, no, I, th- I think he was Philadelphia. Uh, one of the two. Um, he's going to be in at guard. Justin Blalock at left guard. And... Um, they also signed Gabe Karimi as a free agent, so he's still kicking around the league, even though he was a bust for the Bears. Uh, at running back, Steven Jackson was hurt most of the year, so that was disappointing. was Rodgers was number two. They also drafted Devontae Freeman in the fourth round to add depth to the worst running game in the NFL. 70, 77.9 yards a game last year, so they were, they were ranked dead last in the league uh, last year, so on the defensive side of things, they had the second worst run defense, and we all know who the only team that was worse than them was. It was it was us. Yay, it was the Bears. All right. Fantastic. Um, they gave up 136 yards a game last year, and the pass defense was pretty lousy as well. 21st overall. They were 27th in points allowed and 29th in sacks and interceptions. So this is a team that was creating no pressure on the quarterback and not forcing any turnovers, and the turnover differential was pretty lousy uh, as well. Uh, Mike Nolan, who is their defensive coordinator, is looking to shift completely because he ran like a 3-4 hybrid uh, last year, but looking to switch all the way over to a 3-4. They brought in Tyson Jackson. Uh, from Kansas City. They drafted Rasheed Hageman, who I was kind of hoping would fall to the Bears uh, in the second round, but unfortunately he didn't get that far. Uh, they drafted him in the second round. They also added uh, Paul Salil uh, from the uh, from the Miami Dolphins to be the nose tackle in that 3-4. Uh, Osayou Minyorov was uh, a, a defensive end in, in with the Giants in most of the year. Last year he'll be uh, an outside linebacker slash rust specialist for the 3-4 um, with Sean Witherspoon and their leading tackler, uh, Paul Warrilow, uh, he'll be m- moving to the inside. He was an outside linebacker in the 4-3. He'll be an inside linebacker in the 3-4. So, you know, just overall looking at things, you know, Matt Ryan is back. The guy is injury-proof. He's basically started just about every game he's played in, but he got banged up a lot, uh, you know, getting hit a lot and getting a lot of sacks given up and, and so on um, they get like i said they get their horses back on offense they get jones back roddy white but roddy white's getting up there uh in years harry douglas had a thousand yard season last year they don't really have a tight end that's going I mean, it's difficult to replace tony gonzalez how do you replace the second leading receiver of all time second most catches ever in the nfl tony gonzalez um you know and then defense was was awful and they didn't really much to improve upon what they have so they'll actually be another surprise team if they kind of come out of nowhere and, and reclaim a playoff spot but i just don't see it happening uh for the falcons uh this year so i mean um you know we see them week six in atlanta our last two trips down to atlanta have been very unhappy once uh we went down there in 08 and that's when we scored with like nine seconds to go and we somehow managed to blow a coverage that put them in in field goal range and they won the game with no time left in 08 and then in 09 it was a Sunday night football game the Bears are coming off the bye you know we got stuffed on fourth and one at the goal line and that pretty much the wheels came off for the Bears so we've lost two straight in the Georgia Dome looking to approve we got uh, a week six matchup in Atlanta with the Falcons so looking forward to uh Getting some revenge on those pesky Falcons and uh, taking one back uh, for a change. So, you know, like I said, I'm I'm I wonder about the Falcons this year, how well they'll they'll rebound. Uh, like I said, Mike Smith is a solid coach, so maybe he'll uh, he'll bring them together and uh, they'll they'll bounce back. But uh, you know, it's it's kind of a cake division this year with the Panthers probably not going to be as good as they were last year. The Saints are the really the only team you have to contend with, and even they don't look to be, you know, 100% uh, as well. And then, like, the wild card we'll talk about a little bit later on, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is going to be a tough division to call this year because, uh, you know, will the Falcons come back? Can, can, the, can the Panthers maintain, you know, will Drew Brees, I mean, Drew Brees and, and the Saints are, like, the only certainty in the division this year. So we'll see how it all churns uh, out so but that's my look on the falcons alphabetical order has the defending nfc south champions the carolina panthers up next so let's uh move on and talk about them and how we think they're gonna do in 2014 yeah so they went from being a bottom dweller in the division to being top dog in just one year. And even, even more to the point, uh, with a 1-3 start to the beginning of 2013, their head coach, Ron Rivera, was the number one guy on the hot seat, you know, the one that might not make it to the end of the season guy. And uh, after winning 11 of their last 12 games in 2013, he was the coach of the year. Uh, in the NFL so that's how quickly things turned around uh, for the Panthers last year and it was just a a combination of uh, being opportunistic on offense and being dominant on defense I mean that's uh, something you'd probably expect uh, from a team coached by Ron Rivera one of the top defensive coordinators in the league uh, before he became the head coach Uh, Just to throw some numbers at you, they were number two overall last year, number two against the run, 86.9 yards a game, number six against the pass. Um, Number two scoring defense just allowed just over 15 points a game, number five in interceptions, and number one in sacks. They had 60 sacks last year, and uh, they have the front seven of that defense to thank for it. Uh, could be viewed as the best in the league with greg hardy and charles johnson at the defensive ends and uh, former first round pick star Lou. oh man i always have trouble with these hawaiian slash samoan names loda loda lele something like that and uh, kawan short thank you for keeping that simple uh in the middle uh it's uh, their front seven their, their linebackers are top shelf as well luke Keekly, who was a first round pick in 2012 was defensive rookie of the year in 2012 and how does he back that up uh by being the nfl defensive player of the year uh in 2013 so the only thing that he could do to top that would be to be the league mvp so i don't know i don't think it's been since lawrence taylor that a defensive player has won mvp of the league let alone a linebacker uh for that matter but um You know, he also had uh, veterans Chase Blackburn and Thomas Davis, who's somewhat of a medical marvel considering that he lost parts of three different seasons with ACL tears, and the guy still managed to uh, turn in a a Pro Bowl caliber season last year. Uh, The secondary is where the Panthers get weak, though. Uh, It's covered up by that awesome front seven, but, uh, you know, their constant pressure and, you know, creating opportunities and, and such remember the we used to talk last year about the the chicken and the egg as far as the bears secondary and the pass rush you know is the pass rush weak because our secondary can't cover anybody or is it our secondary can't cover anybody because our pass rush isn't putting any pressure and they can just sit back there all day long and so on and so forth it's one of those uh, things well you know as far as talent goes the the Panthers aren't anything to write home about but because they have that front 7 or that front 4 more importantly putting that pressure on the quarterback 60 you know you know there were 60 sacks but there were a lot more pressure than that you know because they have that pressure the secondary is covered up a little bit um they have uh Thomas DeCoud from the Atlanta Falcons they signed him away Roman Harper away from the Saints those are going to be your safeties and then cornerbacks are um You know, a a former rookie free agent in Melvin White and uh, Antoine Kaysen, who spent more time as a backup than a starter. That's going to be your starting four guys uh, in the secondary. So here's to hoping that the front seven can maintain what they did last year. So the book on this team is going to go like this. Okay, they are they have a solid defense. You know, one would think that they would be able to continue doing what they did. Uh, last year because everybody pretty much is coming back but it's kind of going to be like the 2012 Bears if you will the defense is going to keep you in it but can the offense score enough points to win it for you Um, and the reason that we bring that up is because there were some big losses on the offensive side of the ball for the Panthers Steve Smith is gone Brandon LaFell is gone jordan gross the offensive tackle spent every day of his career with the panthers retired uh in the offseason uh you know and they their top four wideouts steve smith brandon lafell ted ginn and dominic hickson who just ended his career with the bears uh in the in otas all left in free agency or were let go uh to replace them you have jericho coterie from the uh from the Jet, I believe he's with the Jets last year, and Jason Avant from the from the Eagles, and then they drafted a basically a tight end. He's 6'5", 240 pounds, a wide receiver, Kelvin Benjamin uh, from Florida State. Those are going to be the guys left to kind of fill in the void left by those by those guys. Uh, obviously, Greg Olson still on the team. He led the team last year with receptions, yards, and touchdowns. So you know that's uh you know at least they're 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 getting their number Cam Newton's favorite target is coming back but um you know they also added Ed Dixon who was a backup in Baltimore to be the other uh tight end but here's the bigger problem you have new receivers basically you have an entirely brand new receiving core and they've gone through OTAs uh training camp starts in a couple of weeks and their quarterback, the guy that's supposed to be building chemistry and, you know, throwing targets to these quarterbacks, has been, well, not MIA, but out of commission this entire offseason. So, so they're going to be a step or two behind most, uh, you know, b- pretty much just about every other team, uh, in the league, uh, at, at well, at the very least, every team in their division, because every team in their division, the the, the packer, the Packers, excuse me, the Buccaneers. The, the Saints and the Falcons all have healthy quarterbacks that, you know, went through OTAs 100%. So it's, um, you know, they've all had that time to develop some kind of uh, chemistry and timing with those receivers. I, I believe Cam Newton will be ready for training camp, but uh, the entire offseason was shot because of that ankle surgery that he had. And he hasn't had any time to get to know any of these new receivers he's going to be throwing the football with then with jordan gross retiring um, you know their their uh, left tackle is last year's right tackle and their right tackle is a converted defensive lineman uh the um they have a i mean the 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 depth on the offensive line is shallow enough that their third round pick uh trey turner is going to have a shot at starting this year uh amini sulit i swear to god i hate these hawaiian names sila tolu uh is coming back at left guard and then you also have the the, the anchor in the middle of the line is basically the one consistent like you know you can depend on this guy offensive lineman and ryan khalil so you have some question marks up front on the offensive line will they be able to protect cam newton will they be able to open holes for this running game um you know, they still have a solid uh, run offense. Uh, Williams and Stewart, D'Angelo Williams, Jonathan Stewart, are still a top running back duo. But uh, D'Angelo Williams just turned 31, and Jonathan Stewart is an injury-riddled 27-year-old. So you might as well just say that he's in his 30s because of the injuries that he's had uh, to deal with uh, up to this point. Um you know, they also have Mike Tolbert, who is their short yardage, you know, goal line, fullback guy uh, as well. So they 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 have a solid backfield. But with that offensive line being the equalizer, will the running game be the same? No more Jordan Gross, guys being shifted into new positions. Some guys not very experienced through, you know, the converted defensive tackle, uh, you know, playing, playing right tackle. Going to have to deal with, uh, you know some pretty intensive rush ends coming up from that side uh and so on will the offensive line be as good as it was a year ago to uh to help the uh panthers be that uh, top 10 running team that they were a year ago so uh you know the the passing game was never impressive but it had its tools you know not to mention the fact cam newton can throw it out of the stadium so you know the run offense was 11th overall i'm sorry 29th in passing though they only averaged about 190 yards a game but they were efficient on third down almost 44 percent on third down and they didn't turn the ball over much they had a plus 11 turnover differential last year so they didn't they didn't uh, you know throw the football much or excuse me they didn't turn the football over much they created the opportunities they converted third downs it means they were you know keeping the offense out on the field when you're converting on third down you're Lengthening those drives and and so on. So, like I said, it's just going to be a matter of whether or not this team can put can score the points to win enough ball games to keep them in contention in this division. So they're uh, they're a true wild card. Both the magazines that I have have them finishing in third this year. So um, actually, one is one has got them in second. The other one's got them in third. Neither of which have them in the playoffs this year and i would think that that's a a uh, accurate assessment that's kind of how i'm feeling on the panthers also being someone that kind of you know pays attention to certain things the panthers have never had really i don't think they've ever had actually back to back successful seasons to where one year they're in the playoffs the next year they're back again it's more like this year they're 12 and 4 they're in the playoffs next year they're 6 and 10 they're in dead last kind of thing that's kind of been the pattern for this franchise since they joined the league back in 1995 so this is actually their 20th anniversary or their 20th season so not necessarily a 20th anniversary but their 20th season uh, in the NFL and you know they were 6 and 10 their first year in the league their second year they were 12 and 4. They went to the NFC Championship game before losing to the Packers, and they went on to Super Bowl 31. So, you know, back in 05, if you just go back 10 years now, 2005, when the Panthers uh, came to Chicago and beat the Bears, and then went to the NFC Championship game, and lost to the Seahawks, who made their first trip uh, to the Super Bowl and lost to the Steelers, Super Bowl 40. Then 2006. People are, you know, the Panthers are the favorite. They're going back to the Super Bowl. They're going to make it this time, blah, blah, blah. They don't even make the playoffs in 2006. I believe they were a, they were a below 500 football team in 06 and, and so on. Then, you know, just fast forward a little bit forward, 2008, that's when the, the last time the Panthers made the playoffs, they were 12-4, and four. number two seed, hosted the playoff game against the Arizona Cardinals who went in there and kicked their butts when Larry Fitzgerald scored like four touchdowns in the first half uh by himself I mean they they racked the Panthers like 44 to 6 or something in that game just ridiculous but and then in 2009 you know it happens all over again they don't win so this is kind of the the pattern that they hold they've never put together back-to-back successful seasons so basically it's it's all up to the offense with this team because I believe the defense is going to be at the very least consistent they're going to keep this team in ball games but will this offense be able to score enough points to win them enough games to get them back to the playoffs so that's going to be the true question uh, for the Panthers so be interesting to see how it all unfolds. We are traveling to Carolina. This year to see the Panthers week number five, so we have back to back NFC South teams. We go to Carolina week five, then we travel out to Atlanta week six. So hopefully those will be back to back wins uh, for our beloved. So looking forward to seeing what that stretch of uh, the schedule does uh, for us. So that's going to do it for the Carolina Panthers. Like I said, they're they're going to be somewhat of a uh, uh, you know an interesting team. Because they're going to have a defense that's going to make, make waves, but can the offense make enough to keep them in the, in the hunt in the NFC South? So only time will tell. So we're going to go ahead and uh, move on to the team that most people, including myself, expect to be the division champ in 2014, Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints. Thanks to Bounty Gate, 2012 was a disaster for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, like an 0-5 start resulting in a 6-10 season for the Saints. But they did bounce back in force uh, in 2013. 11 wins, good enough for second in the NFC South behind the surprising Panthers, who we just got done talking about. Made a playoff appearance. Won their very first road game, ro- playoff road game In franchise history when they went up to Philadelphia and beat the Eagles uh, only to lose in Seattle to the eventual Super Bowl champion Seattle Seahawks. So for the first year after basically having your team, um, you know, without its leader for an entire season to come back and just about take the uh, almost took the division and uh, they were really really close to getting that first round bye in the nfc playoffs uh, as well so it was uh, overall a successful season uh for the saints obviously did not end the way that they would have liked it to but they're in a position now with the way that the offense was gutted in carolina that they're a team that's in a better position to uh to take over the division and, and finish in first place which many people think that they will both the magazines that i have have them finishing in first place this year ahead of the Panthers, Falcons, and Buccaneers. So, we'll, uh, you know, and I happen to believe that uh, uh, as well. So, you know, salary cap trouble led to the departure of many of the people responsible for their success, and a lot of these guys, if not all of them, were on the 2009 team that won the Super Bowl uh, for the for the uh, for the Saints. Uh, Guys like Jabari Greer, Roman Harper, Malcolm Jenkins, wide receiver Lance Moore, defensive end Will Smith, who we talked about last week. He's with the Saints now. Darren Sproles was traded to Philadelphia. And their defensive leader, Jonathan Vilma, all gone uh, from this year's team. So they dug themselves a pretty big salary cap hole. However, they were able to hang on to some uh, some of the stars from last year. Defensive end Cameron Jordan. Uh, from a year ago he was a breakout star in the first year under rob ryan uh, on the defensive side of the ball and you know the defense went from allowing the most yards in the history of the nfl in the history of the league the most yards allowed in 2012 to being the number four defense in the league number two against the pass um you know they were tops in uh scoring defense one of the better ones in the league fourth in sacks with 49 you know they were generating a pass rush they were forcing turnovers uh as well they had a pretty good uh turnover ratio uh last year uh as well and i'm digging it up here for you now they were plus uh actually i take that back they were zero they so they were even with as far as how many they generated and how many they created so i take back all i said about turnovers (laughs) so what happens when you don't check your notes but anyway i digress you know the pass rush they were number four in sacks with 49 as i mentioned before uh guys like jordan cameron and junior galette were the uh were the pass rushing edge guys where they, they they ran kind of a Well, they started out with a 3-4, and then due to injuries and such on the defense side of the ball, ended up with kind of like a 4-2-5 type of uh, setup that worked out for them uh, very, very uh, well. So the secondary on that defense is going to be overhauled because the names Jabari Greer, uh, Roman Harper, and Malcolm Jenkins, that's two safeties in a corner right there that uh, are not going to be on the team this year. However... The, the the free agent prize uh, of the defense this year was uh, signing uh, Jarius Byrd uh, away from the Buffalo Bills. He's going to be the, one of their starters. Champ Bailey still hanging on to an NFL career, signed with the Saints to be one of their to be their other corner. Uh, they joined f- uh, 2013 first round pick Kenny Vaccaro. He's going to be their other safety with uh, Keenan Lewis uh, being the other cornerback opposite. Uh, Champ bailey there so we'll see how well those guys uh gel in that defensive uh backfield so the interesting thing about this team last year was they were a three and five road team so below 500 on the road you know they managed to win a playoff game on the road so make it uh well they both their playoff games are on the road so they're four and six on the road overall uh all of last year they were eight and oh in the superdome last year. So that is uh that is the strength of this football team is playing inside that dome. Just something special about the playing under the dome in New Orleans for those Saints. Uh they've uh, I believe I read it in the when I was doing my homework earlier that they've won 17 straight in the Superdome or Sean Payton has. Anyway, obviously they didn't win too many games in the Superdome in 2012, but in 2011 and 2013 and I guess even dating back to 2010, he's won 17 games in a row uh, in the Superdome, and that's the streak that they're looking to continue once again. But, uh, you know, when you go undefeated at home, it's only going to take a few wins on the road to get you in a position to make the playoffs. And uh, they only won three road games last year, but it was good enough to, you know, to go with those eight wins to give them 11 to make the playoffs uh, uh, last year. So. You know, defense made headlines for him last year by basically overperforming for Rob Ryan with his first year, and he brought that volatile, you know, emotional Ryan attitude uh, with him down there. Uh, But the bread and butter for this football team has always been its offense with, uh, you know, uh, Drew Brees being the quarterback for them. Uh, His fourth 5,000-yard season last year, his third in a row as a matter of fact, uh, pass offense was number two in the NFL behind Denver, uh, of course, and the run offense was 25th in the league, something that they're hoping to improve. Uh, they do have Mark Ingram uh, in their running back. They do a running back by committee type thing, and, but uh, part of the committee is gone now that Darren Sproils uh, is, is uh, in Philadelphia. But, um, you know, they do have Mark Ingram. They re-signed Pierre Thomas. Uh, they also have uh, Eric Lorig who was uh, signed away, and they signed him in free agency, one of only three uh, free agent acquisitions that they made uh, this year. Uh, Lance Moore, the wide receiver, is gone, but they still have uh, Marquez Colston. Uh, Jimmy Graham hasn't signed a new deal, but he's a franchise tag, so he's going to be back this year. They joined Kenny Stills, and they also drafted Oregon State wide receiver Brandon Cooks uh, in the first round. Now, the offensive line is where it gets interesting for the Saints. For the second year in a row, they lost their starting left tackle uh, in free agency when the guy that replaced Jermon Bushrod, who, of course, plays for us now, left town now they're uh they're taking uh teron armstead who was a third round pick for them last year uh he finished late in the season as their left tackle uh he will be their left tackle going into the year uh they also have zach streif on the right side he brought he came back he re-signed with the team and then at the center position their starter from last year brian de la puente plays for who now That's right, the Chicago Bears, and uh, we'll see how that works out for him uh, this season. But the guy, Tim Lolito, who's going to be replacing him, has never played center before. So that's going to be interesting, and that's going to be something that uh, St. fans are going to want to keep an eye on going into the season, or actually even in training camp and in the preseason, is how quickly the quarterback-center exchange chemistry is built between those two guys, you know number 1 they haven't played together and number 2 the guy playing center isn't all that familiar with playing the position so uh the one good thing that they do have or two good things if you want to be more specific are their guards um Jari Evans uh Ben Grubbs uh, on the right and left side of those guys those guys are fantastic pro bowl level uh players at the guard position uh, for them so in the middle you know, maybe having those guys in the middle will enhance uh, things for that new center as he learns that position uh, on the fly, basically. So, you know, it's, uh, it's uh, going uh, gonna to be interesting to see how that all works out uh, for them. So, you know, Drew Brees was under a lot of pressure. Uh, last year but they do run a lot of uh, single back or empty sets and you know one of the big things uh, happening with the Saints right now was the whole arbitration uh, independent uh, administrator type thing with Jimmy Graham because he was saying that uh, when he was franchised he was franchised as a tight end which means he was only going to get like six or seven million dollars or 5 million dollars i think it was but if he was franchised as the wide receiver he'd be getting somewhere between like 10 or 11 maybe more million dollars for the you know for the franchise tag and the reason that is because he splits out wide i think they said more than 60 or 70% of the time he's not in a natural tight end position so he's lined out wide which means that more times than not it's just the five guys up front trying to block whoever's out there. You know that the the Saints, you know, being the dynamic passing team that they are, also like to run a lot of empty sets as well. So it's one of those things that Drew Brees has to get rid of the ball quickly or he's going to take a beating. And if your offensive line isn't that good, that beating is going to get there faster than you need it to, faster than you like it to. But, you know, we'll see how it works out with that, that offensive line. You got Zach Streif. Ben Grubbs, Jari Evans, those guys are coming back. Those guys are all solid. But you have a brand-new center who's never played the position before and a guy that only played in three games the year before was a question mark before the year even started. So we'll uh, we'll see how it all shakes out for the Saints on the offensive side of the ball. But Sean Payton, Drew Brees are together once again. It's been a successful combination for the franchise since they guys got together in 2006. Uh, you know they've made the playoffs a heck of a lot more than they haven't uh, since Peyton has been down there. so uh, look for the trend to continue because I believe this will be your division winner in uh, 2014. So that's uh, pretty much all I have on the Saints. Uh, one more thing before we push the Saints aside is that the uh, the matchup for the for this year for the Bears a lot more favorable than it was last year. We played the Saints uh, week number five. In uh, early October, still kind of nice outside. Even though it was in Chicago, it was still very nice outside. One of the three road wins that they had last year was in Chicago, of course. Um, you know, very nice outside. Beautiful can early October day. No, no, not this time. This time, week 15, Monday Night Football in December. So the Saints are kind of like the, the Buccaneers of, of old where if the temperature hits a certain point or if it goes below a certain point uh they're oh in infinity uh against the you know against whoever and uh they're coming to chicago they're playing in the elements in december i'm already counting that as a win for us i don't care if the saints are 14 and oh when they come into town they are not beating the bears in late december in chicago on monday night football it's just not gonna happen so uh, i like our chances to win that game against the saints a lot better than i did uh going into the season uh last year we we're playing in early october when weather really was not a factor at all so really looking forward to uh you know, to watching the Bears stick it to Drew Brees and, and the Saints, uh, in late December, uh, this season. So, you know, hopefully around week 15, it's like, yeah, if the Bears win today, week 15, they're, uh, they they, not only do they clinch a playoff berth, but, uh, you know, they'll win the division at the same time. I'm, I'm hoping that I can be telling you this in the preview episode for the Bears and the Saints, uh, as we head into Monday Night Football, uh, for that week. So, uh, Anyway, that's going to do it for the Saints. Let's go ahead and get this division wrapped up with a team that's uh, an old familiar foe with former NFC Central division rival Tampa Bay being led by a familiar face. So after a year of unemployment in which he collected $5 million from the Chicago Bears as part of the contract uh, that he signed, uh, the extension, through the 2013 season, Lovey Smith returns to the NFL as head coach of the last team we'll be talking about today, the Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers. So um, quite the tumultuous year that they had down in uh, South Florida uh, last year with the... uh, they started out 0 and 8 last season. Uh, they split the last eight games, going 4 and 4 to finish out 4 and 12 uh, on the season. Uh, but three games into the season, they cut uh, Josh Freeman, who was a first round pick for them about four years ago. So he's gone, and he bounced around. Was in uh, you know Minnesota, and he actually uh, signed with a team in the off season that's already cut him and everything. So Freeman's. Uh, life is in total flux, and it began there. Week three, uh, Mike Glennon, who was a third-round draft choice for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year, ended up starting the last 13 games uh, of the season, You know, winning four. Obviously, he was the quarterback when those four, four wins happened. Uh, but th- this was a team that was basically just a mess. Uh, Greg Schiano, the head coach of the team, was let go. Uh, they even let go of their uh, general manager, so you have a new general manager and a new head coach, and Levy Smith, uh, who brings in um, John Tedford to be the offensive coordinator. This is a guy that was a, a, a head coach in college for years, uh, coached the likes of uh, you know Aaron Rodgers and uh, you know Kyle Bowler, guys like that. Uh, that went on to be uh, quarterbacks in the in the NFL, um, and then as his defensive coordinator, uh, former Chicago Bear player and Minnesota Viking head coach Leslie Frazier uh, comes down to uh, to Tampa to be his DC uh, down there. So um, you know it, it's been a, an interesting offseason that they've had. Uh, most of the improvements that they made on defense. Uh, actually all of them, uh, came through free agency because all six of their draft choices in 2014 were offensive players. Uh, every last one of those six players uh, was a offensive player, starting with their top pick, number seven overall, Mike Evans, the wide receiver from Texas A&M, who was uh, Johnny Manziel's favorite target uh, down there. Uh, they also drafted a tight end in Austin, sefrian jenkins uh from the university of washington six foot five 260 pounds this guy's a, a biscuit away from being an offensive tackle but uh you know he fits the mold of the tight ends that are uh thriving in the nfl today these big tall long-armed lanky uh pass targets uh, out there um they uh, third round pick was a running back in Charles Sims, who one of my magazines called a Matt Forte clone. So apparently he's one of those guys that runs the ball and catches out of the backfield uh, as well, can add some depth to the backfield uh, for the uh, Buccaneers. Then you had two offensive linemen uh, with their two fifth-round picks, and then with their last pick in the sixth round, another wide receiver uh, Robert Heron from Wyoming uh, University so all six picks which you really wouldn't think would happen considering that Lovey Smith is a defensive-minded uh, coach but uh, he saw the writing on the wall that this was the absolute worst offense in pro football last year 32nd overall 277 277 yards of total offense a game last year Uh, 22nd with the run with 100 yards, just over 100 yards a game, but 32nd pass offense with 176 yards a game last year. The 30th scoring offense, only 18 points a game last year, 31st and third down conversions, so they weren't. I mean, that's obviously why they're not scoring points because they can't convert third downs. Therefore, they're not putting together any drives to put points on the board uh you know and you know defense was uh was middle of the road uh 17th overall but uh you know offense is where the the damage was done because uh much like uh you know we were talking about with the panthers a little bit earlier the defense might be able to keep you in it but if the offense is not put any points on the board you know you can lose a game 10 to 3 you know things like that so if your offense can only put up so many points a game you're uh not going to have a not going to have a good season so uh you know but there's there's some things to look forward to uh in tampa it's uh, it's not all uh, a lost cause you have this new head coach uh in lovey smith uh you uh went out and signed a brand new quarterback in uh josh mccown so mike glennon goes back to what he should have been doing last year in, in 2013 which is backing up and and learning how to be an nfl quarterback especially for someone who was drafted in the third round you don't come in and start 13 games uh your rookie season unless you're russell wilson and mike glennon is not russell wilson so uh josh mccown signed away from our beloved chicago bears uh is reunited with lovey smith the funny thing was that uh you know josh mccown earned that two-year 10 million dollar contract when lovey smith wasn't his head coach so go figure that so maybe they'll have the same success maybe they won't one thing that that the two situations do have in common is that uh you know the uh offensive weapons that the uh, mccown will have to throw the football to very similar at least in size to the ones that he had here in chicago with the uh 6'4 alshon jeffrey the 6'3 brandon marshall the six-foot-six uh, martellus bennett He'll have the six foot five Vincent Jackson, the six foot five Mike Evans, and the six foot five uh, tight end uh, in uh, in that Jenkins kid they drafted in the second round. Uh, you know that's uh, going to be uh, you know make it easy to just kind of heave it up there and let the let the nature take its course with those uh, guys um, running the football. They have Doug Martin as a former first round pick for him, but he missed ten games last year with a torn labrum. Uh, in his shoulder, so I don't know if you know much about running backs, but they, uh, you know, they use their shoulders to run into guys, and uh, when you tear one, that's uh, that's a bad thing, especially a torn labrum, because that's something that requires reconstructive surgery. But uh, they are anticipating that he'll be back in time for the season. Uh, Bobby Rainey and Mike James filled in well in his absence, but like I said, was only the 22nd ranked run game in the league, and uh, you know, considering how poor they were with the pass. Um, you know running the football is probably you know it was probably I didn't see the Buccaneers play at all last year but uh, I can only imagine that when you have such a crappy pass offense no one's afraid of the pass so they load up the box for the run and the fact that they came out ranked 22nd I think is uh, you know pretty good for them but um, despite having the worst pass offense in the league Vincent Jackson still had a successful campaign in 2013, over 1,200 yards receiving, and uh, seven touchdowns, uh, you know. And like I said, they added Mike Evans. They got rid of Mike Williams and Tequan Underwood. Uh, Williams was traded to Buffalo, and uh, Underwood went to Atlanta. No, he went to uh, Carolina. My mistake. Underwood went to Carolina to help fill the void there and um, the offensive line is where things get interesting they let Donald Penn and Davin Joseph uh, two long stays on the offensive line they're both gone uh, they drafted or excuse me they signed in free agent Evan Dietrich Smith away from the uh green bay packers he'll be their new center anthony collins the offensive tackle from cincinnati uh will be in at uh you know tackle for them as well they they have uh demar dodson who's coming back they also have carl uh carl Nix as well uh at the left guard position and uh, kadeem edwards uh who's a, a rookie for them uh will uh, play for a, a spot on the on the offensive line uh as well so on the defensive side is where things get interesting Levy smith uh, as we all know loves to run that tampa two. he fully intends on running it down there in uh, tampa bay bringing the bringing the defense back home to where it was born Uh, he inherits his number three technique tackle his tommy harris if you will and gerald mccoy Uh, he also added uh, clinton mcdonald from the seattle seahawks and the big free agent signing for them was michael johnson the defensive end from Cincinnati, somebody that the Bears were looking at, uh, it was Michael Johnson and Michael Bennett, Martellus's brother, that the Bears kind of had a, a beat on in the beginning, but Michael Johnson was a little bit uh, more expensive than we were wanting to be. So Tampa, who had a lot of cap space, went ahead and got him, and he joins uh, Adrian Claiborne at the other defensive end position on that, uh, on that D-line. His linebackers... Um, you know the Mason Foster is your middle linebacker, and uh, Jonathan Casillas uh, re-signed with the team. He's going to be on the strong side. Levante David, who was a Pro Bowl player, that's going to be Lovey's Lance Briggs slash uh, Derek Brooks uh, player. Uh, he led the team with uh, like 140 something tackles uh, last year, so uh, looking for him to repeat that. Uh, in the secondary is uh, where it gets interesting, I guess. Uh, they they cut Darrell Revis. And when they did that, they saved themselves $16 million. That's what he was due to make uh, in uh, in 2014. Uh, they went and signed, and, uh, went and signed Alteron Werner away from the Tennessee Titans uh, to join former first-round pick uh, Mark Barron, uh, free agent uh, from San Francisco. They signed him last year. Uh, Deshaun Goldson and uh, Jonathan Banks uh, in the secondary there. So, you know, on paper... The defense looks solid. You know, you have you have a, a an elite player pretty much on every level. You have Alteron Varner, who, you know, had a hell of a year in Tennessee and he earned the free agent contract that he got. Uh, Levante David, there's your Lance Briggs, all-pro uh, guy that's going to play the weak side linebacker, which is kind of like the featured linebacker, believe it or not, in that. Uh, in that Lovey Smith defense, and then you have up front Gerald McCoy, the defensive tackle, who's supposed to be the penetrator and getting upfield uh, that will, you know, cause the pressure in the middle, easing things up for the guys like Michael Johnson uh, on the outside to get after the passer. So, you know, it seems like on every level they hit they hit a home run with somebody, and uh, it's just a matter of uh, seeing whether or not these uh, these pieces uh, can come together now this is um this team is kind of like the wild card in this division uh and i know that i've used the, the term wild card a lot in the show and i apologize for that but it, it, you know they're that team like one magazine that i have has them finishing second and the other one has them finishing in fourth probably thinking that the offense is not going to improve enough to to help them uh get along but uh you know that's how wide open this division is. It's kind of all over the place on on where these teams are going to finish because Atlanta's only a year removed from a thirteen and three season, and everybody's coming back uh, healthy. Uh, the Saints, you know, they won eleven football games, but they actually had to cut a lot of people loose just to get under the cap this season. And you know, you you heard the laundry list of names that I read off to to you guys about who they had to let go jonathan vilma javari greer uh you know so on and so forth there was about seven or eight guys all of which if not not mistaken were a part of those super that super bowl team in 2009 uh when they beat the colts down there in miami and then you have the panthers who have one of the elite defenses in the league but their entire wide receiving core is brand new and their quarterback their best player has uh You know, Cam Newton has spent the entire offseason recuperating and rehabbing from ankle surgery, therefore not having any time to devote to developing a chemistry or a time with these uh, with this new wide receiving core uh, that he's going to be playing with uh, this year. So it's all kind of up there in the air. And, and, you know, with with all of this, the safest bet in the division right now is the New Orleans Saints. But, uh, you know, like i said the falcons they have an awesome they have an awesome head coach in mike smith they have a starting quarterback in matt ryan they have their horses back on on offense with the healthy julio jones um you know roddy white uh steven jackson is healthy so again this year uh and so on they they drafted an offensive tackle to help shore up that that line that was getting matt ryan killed last year uh and so on and then uh it's you know the like i said with the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they they strengthen up their defense through free agency. They build up the offense uh, through the draft. And, you know, a new head coach, it happens every year. There's always kind of like that one head coach that gels with his team. It all comes together, and they, you know, they do well. And if anybody's in a position to do that this year, it's Lovey Smith, Uh, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because that division is ripe for someone to go from worst to first uh, in that division. And and it's just up in the air. And even the safest bet in the New Orleans Saints isn't that safe a bet. You know, they're a couple of injuries away from being the Falcons this year. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this uh, division unfolds. Uh, We do see Lovey in Chicago Week number 12, and and the reason that that's interesting is because, and you guys have heard me mention this before, that is the last Sunday game the Bears play for a month. Uh, I think it's like November 22nd or something like that, November 23rd, and then four days later they play on Thanksgiving, and then the Bears turn right around and play again on Thursday night against the Cowboys, and then don't play for 11 days until they play the Saints on Monday night football. And, and then after they play the saints on monday night football that's when i think they play the lions at home week 16 on like december 21st or something so almost a month to the day that the bears have played a a, a sunday game is uh you know that lovey smith and his visit to soldier field uh, at the end of november is the last time that the bears play a sunday game for a month until they play the lions or you know around christmas time basically so and uh you know i'm interested to see if i'm gonna be okay with that because the bears are playing at a regular clip or if i'll be bitching about it just because you know sundays suck when the bears don't play i mean i don't know about you guys i love watching the nfl and i watch football from sunrise to sunset uh during the season but when it's not my team unless the game is just absolutely blowing my mind i have uh i have trouble getting into it so that's just me uh that is the NFC South uh, preview. These are the teams that we'll be seeing this year. We got Carolina and Atlanta on the road. We got the Saints and the Buccaneers coming to Soldier Field. So we'll see how those games uh, measure out. I believe that we were – we last played the South in 2011. We beat Atlanta in the opener. We beat Carolina um, – I think we swept them. No, we lost to we lost to the Saints in 2011. We went to we went to New Orleans and we lost to the Saints. We were three and one against this division in uh, in 2011. So, hopefully, we can at least do that. Or uh, I think it's set up that we can sweep them. So hopefully, we can make that. Uh, that happened so that's going to do it for our nfc south preview uh talk about the panthers the falcons the saints and the buccaneers when we come back next week we will be talking about our most familiar foes the three teams in the nfc north division the packers the vikings and the lions and we'll also throw in our same place opponents with the 49ers and the cowboys who uh, both finished second in their respective divisions in 2013 so it'll be a five team show next week and um, you know should be uh, should be a good time uh, as we try to next week will be the last week before training camp starts so that should be uh, that should be fun So I got to go and do some homework and get ready for that show so I can do it for you next Thursday. And until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Chicago Bears Review.